everyone. Welcome to Shaman Soup. My name is Kim McLaughlin and I am a shamanic healer living and practicing in Irvine, North Ayrshire, Scotland. If you want to check out my website, I'm at www.cedarlighthealing.com. And today I want to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart. And the reason is because it pisses me off all the time. So the topic of this is why we don't need to talk about demons, people. So bear with me. We're going to get into a couple of different areas with this. So healing is supposed to be healing, right? People approach healers of any modality because they're suffering and perhaps they carry trauma, shame, pain, or addiction, which of course can be linked to all of these things. So, you know, call me crazy. But I cannot logically wrap my head around further traumatizing a client that is already in pain. I was lucky when I started out to have a fantastic shamanic teacher. And he's still my shamanic teacher, by the way. And that's Daniel Leonard, who is a shamanic practitioner living out in Salt Spring Island in British Columbia, Canada. And Daniel taught me the incredible power and the importance of only telling healing stories. And while we all know that healing work is not all love, light, and rainbows, I mean, if only, But in reality, it can be dark, it can be gritty, it can be intense. And we as healers always must be aware of the power of our words and the stories that we choose to tell uh, a client and the impact that those words have on the client. And so I can't, for the life of me, understand how telling a client who may already be feeling insecure, who maybe exploring issues around identity or simply figuring themselves out that they're carrying a bunch of demons, uh, how that is remotely hearing I mean, or remotely healing. What a terrible thing to do to somebody. And the thing is, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm bitching about this is that I hear this shit all the time. People send me emails, they come to me, we have conversations and they're just in this terrible state because they have been told this. And you know, I don't want to disparage another's practice. And I recognize that there may be cultural norms here that I don't understand. And this isn't about attacking those practices or, you know, the authenticity of dark entities. This is about how we as spiritual practitioners or healing practitioners of any modality communicate to our clients. Shamanic work can be dark. Anybody who tells you otherwise is not fully showing up to the work. We are walkers in the spirit world and we often must walk through darkness to get to the light. It's not necessarily just a metaphor. In life, we all have to suffer through some sort of darkness to learn. You know, we all hurt. We all feel anger. We may suffer addiction. We hurt others. And then we feel guilt or shame about our acts. And we take that darkness inside of ourselves and it becomes the secret that we don't talk about. And it's in the releasing of these things, these experiences, uh, secrets, uh, addictions, that we heal. 
When we release these things, the light of our soul and of our enlightened nature is finally able to shine through. And what a surprise it is when we finally understand that it was always there, that we are beings filled with light no matter what we have going on. There is a reason that we often use the language of like, quote, unquote, bringing pain or suffering into the light. And it's not an easy thing to do. Healing ourselves is always going to be an act of courage. I think this is because when we heal ourselves or step into our healing, it's truly an acknowledgement of the light and divinity within us. You know, we have to believe that we deserve that. And when we do step into our healing work, we must find the confidence and the wherewithal to embrace that light. And when we go forth in the world, you know, after having done that, then rather than seeking out darkness and negativity and perpetuating those patterns, we uh, in turn will seek out light and goodness. And instead we can perpetuate those healthy patterns that bring more healing to ourselves. And because healing is like a wave, This healing is always going to ripple out to others uh, in our family, in our community. This kind of healing is based on learning. And I was taught by the elders in my community back in Toronto that it's it's the reason we're here. So I want to be clear that I am not denying the existence of icky, dark things. I'm not. You know, I'm not Christian, I'm not Buddhist, or any of those religions that do subscribe to the idea of, like, demons, you know, with a capital D. Um, In the community where I was taught my spirituality, they were presented as just powerful, dark spirits. But certainly, there was a recognition that these things exist and the havoc that they can wreak on our lives and within our families and communities is is very real. Therefore, the idea of protection is woven into the heart of most Indigenous ceremonies that I ever participated in. It's important and it's a big deal. But part of protection within, for example, a community ceremony is the level of personal power or spiritual health that each person is bringing into the ceremony. And so in order to protect the integrity of the ceremony, uh, my community had these really strict protocols. You know, you can't go to a ceremony if you have had drugs or alcohol within four days or if you're on your moon time within four days or anything like that. So it was strict. And this is why when I see clients, I need to know that they haven't consumed alcohol or recreational drugs. And for me, I say 48 hours, preferably longer, but 48 hours, my spirits are pretty comfortable with that. Ingesting these kinds of spirits, right? So the spirit of alcohol, the spirit of recreational drugs can decrease our personal power. And this can make us vulnerable to shitty entities that may uh, attack us or more open, they make us more open into taking in negative crap that toxic people are sending our way. And often toxic people, you know, they may do this knowingly, but in most cases, they do it without even realizing it because people generally, we don't always understand our own power. And let's remember that everybody is healing. So it's this level of personal power that I want to talk about. And as people who work with the spirits to bring about healing while recognizing and respecting both the power and also the role that dark stuff can have on healing, we need to rethink 
how we present that information to someone who was already in pain. Okay, so now I'm going to go off on what seems like a mega tangent, but it's actually super relevant. So, you know, just, just, just go with me on this journey. Okay, so these teachings that I'm going to present now are from the world of core shamanism, and although they may align with many indigenous Canadian teachings, I was never taught to do healing work in that community, and I want to be really clear about that and where these teachings come from. So according to the world of core shamanism, shamanic work is concerned with two areas of healing. One is removing intrusions that are not serving a person. And the term intrusions refers to energy that's not serving you. So it can be, you know, shitty energy that someone has sent your way, anything that you may have picked up from being in an unhealthy place or around unhealthy people. It can be energy that's created from an excess of emotion. So think like grief, anger, or fixations, or of course, other spiritual entities or ancestral attachments. Now the practitioner through their spirits is able to remove these intrusions, which can bring an element of relief to the client. And this is called an extraction ceremony. So the other side, of course, of this equation is restoring power to a person by way of soul retrieval, power animal retrieval, soul symbol, soul remembering ceremonies, etc. And so people will be like, well, what do you mean power? Do you mean energy? And I, well, I hate to refer to it as energy. I always feel that that word really is not, it's not enough to describe what this is. But, you know, for lack of a better term, we can call it energy. But to be very clear, it's not energy. It's more of like that light that is within everybody, you know. And so when I look at someone, I look in their eyes, it's that light that connects. So that's really what we're talking about. But yeah, okay, we'll call it energy. We believe that most problems in life, most issues that we have in life are due to soul loss. Now, I know that many of you are probably asking, okay, Kim, but what about past life or ancestral traumas? And my response is that those two usually have an element of soul loss around them. So there's still that soul work that needs to happen. So what is soul loss? As we go through tough experiences in our lives, we may experience soul loss. Basically, traumatic experiences will almost always bring about soul loss. And this is when a soul fragment departs your body. And the result is that we are numbed to the pain of whatever is happening in the moment. From a shamanic perspective, this kind of soul loss is a defense mechanism. And it can help us get through really difficult things because it, it protects us from that pain. It's like a form of disassociation. And indeed, one of the main symptoms of ongoing soul loss is a deep sense of disassociation. So the issue is that when the say is that when the soul fragment doesn't return to the body, like this is the issue. So sometimes the pain of what has happened is just too much. It's too much. And that soul fragment, when it departs the body, it goes far and it doesn't want to return. Sometimes that soul fragment can get lost. Sometimes a soul fragment can get stolen and then it can't be returned to us until it is freed. The challenge here is that when soul fragments leave, they take with them parts of our gifts, you know, important gifts that we need to live a good life, gifts like trust, 
sensuality, joy, self-love, the ability to access a full range of emotions. And you know, it's hard to go through life and to approach our healing when we are missing these critical and sacred parts of ourselves. So this is what is known as power loss. And so it's the job of the shamanic practitioner to retrieve that power. So to go into the spirit world quite literally and find it and to restore it to the client so that the client may have access to all of the gifts that they need to approach their lives and their healing journeys in a healthy and an empowered way. Now, power animals can also bring extra power to a person, helping them reinforce their sense of personal power, as can things like soul remembering and different types of healing ceremonies. And when we are fully in our power, right, so we've had soul Fragments have been restored to us. We are aware and have a good relationship with our power animals, etc. It's hard for other energy that's floating around us. For example, others' negativity that we may be prone to taking in or scary, dark-ass attachments. It's hard for them to attach to us. We become like Teflon. And as this power is grounding in our bodies, it will literally push out all of those intrusions that I had talked about earlier. Well, maybe not all of them, but those ones that you're willing to release, that you're ready to release, they will be pushed out. And of course, this is the hard part because emotions must be felt to be released. And so this is the reason, uh, if you are engaging in shamanic work, that it's always good to have a therapist or a counselor or a trusted confidant that you can turn to and you can talk to to really talk out anything that may be coming up for you. So I always tell my clients, now is not the time to fire your therapist. But why bring all of this up? The reason is that the flip side of this, I think, very healthy message is that when we are not in our power, when we are suffering from traumas, a lack of boundaries, toxicity in our lives and relationships, you know, grief, anger, fear, all of these things that are symptomatic of soul loss, we become vulnerable to those intrusions, to those energies, entities, whatever. And a shamanic practitioner can certainly remove the intrusions, as I had talked about before, at least those that you as a client are willing to release. But unless that client is actively engaging and being accountable to their own healing, i.e. the power restoration side of things, whatever the hell it was that had been attached is just going to return. And then the client will return to the practitioner to have these intrusions removed again and again and again. And it becomes this cycle that I think personally is very disempowering to a client. We are all responsible for our own healing. And furthermore, we are all capable of our own healing. And sure, I mean, healers of any modality can help here and there. But at the end of the day, if we are not accountable to our own healing and we're not showing up for ourselves, any relief that we get, whether it be from, you know, shamanism or Reiki or something different, is going to be temporary. So, you know, I don't mind doing extractions for my clients. In fact, my spirits, my spirits will usually do extraction work on all of my clients, uh, you know, if they come in for power animal or soul retrieval. But for me, at least... 
the main the main attraction here is definitely the power restoration work. Now the soul retrieval, the power animal retrieval, the soul remembering ceremony, because that work empowers people. And it's in that personal empowerment where true transformation in our lives can occur. So, okay, <laughs> I know we've covered a lot. I need to take a breath. Okay, so now that hopefully, you know, we understand, you understand, the true value of shamanic work is in empowering others. And that even if someone is carrying attachments, that is not indicative of any faults of the client. And it's certainly not something to be ashamed of. Everybody and their mother carries attachments from time to time. It's not nice, but it's not rare. It's like having the flu, you guys. But we do know that if somebody is carrying attachments, that at some point they were probably hurt that they're probably in pain. And what I have seen in my years of walking this path so far is that almost every last one of us carries so much shame. Now let's get back to this idea. I wanna swing this back to you're carrying multiple demons. Oh my God. You know, imagine telling someone who has already suffered some kind of trauma or has depression, that they are carrying a dark entity of any number within them. How in God's green earth is that supposed to make them feel better or empowered? There is just, there's not a single way that you can break that message down to make it a healing story. And you know, I've talked to clients who've been told this kind of stuff. And you know what? I want to share with you some of the comments that they will say to me. You know, because it's indicative of how these throwaway comments make people feel. But things like, I know I deserved it. My soul is simply not good. It is my own fault. I'm just a bad person. Or I shouldn't be around other people because I carry inner darkness. Now, my heart breaks when I hear that from people. I get to see how much light people have in them. That's the gift the spirits give to me for doing this work. And so when I hear people talking like that because some Yahoo told them that they were, I don't know, carrying demons and all of this darkness. <sighs> all right, so the flip side, the happy part. Here's how I've seen it done responsibly because we can approach this responsibly as healing practitioners. First off, the practitioner doesn't really need to do a lot of talking at all. I know this is a rich thing coming from me who doesn't stop talking. But it is true within the actual ceremony, practitioners don't need to do a lot of talking and quite honestly, nor does the client. We are calling in, so we as in practitioners, are calling in the spirits to do the work. They do the work. So we personally, we don't need to know the details of a person's traumas. And quite frankly, unless you're a certified psychotherapist, why are you even having that conversation? When I used to go see the medicine people, you know, back in the day, they wouldn't say much about the actual healing work that they were doing on me as it was happening. So, you know, if they were shaking their rattle over me and removing stuff from me, I have no idea what the hell they were removing. They would never tell me that. I mean, why would they? However, when they were done, 
they would sit down and they would always give me teachings. That was so empowering. You know, it made me feel important that the spirits in the room that are showing up to do this work are saying to this medicine person, hey, share share with Kim this teaching or tell Kim this. Like, they cared. It gave me such a feeling of being important in my own life, and it was incredible to learn how the spirits saw me and what they felt it was important for me to know. And this gave me confidence and it helped me form a new and a more powerful sense of identity. And then later in the core shamanism world, uh, Daniel Leonard did my first soul retrieval. And it's so, Daniel's such an incredible teacher. I mean, I studied with him for years and years after, but when Daniel does a soul retrieval, he hardly talks at all. And I can remember that first soul retrieval, like me, Daniel will do an extraction before he actually does the soul retrieval part of the ceremony. And I can remember that that extraction was so intense. Like between you and I, I can only imagine what the hell it was I was carrying. But you know, Daniel, to his credit, said nothing. Nothing needed to be said. Quite frankly, I don't know what he drew for me and I don't want to know. You know, I got enough problems. I don't need to know that shit. Afterwards, he gave me a single sheet of paper that had six lines on it. And, you know, I think it was like, your power animal is this. We returned this many soul fragments and the gifts that they carried were X, Y, Z. And then he basically said, thank you very much. And he left it to me to take it from there. And you know, what I know now about the work, I'm pretty sure that Daniel probably removed some pretty heavy stuff from me that day, you know, probably some entities. He's never told me. Uh, I don't know if I've ever asked. I think I've sort of like kind of flirted around asking, but but he he's like, he's wise to me, so he's never answered. But the overall healing story I took from that session was... I don't know, it was beautiful and it was inspiring and whatever the hell happened in that extraction work. At the end of that ceremony, the soul retrieval, I felt so strong and I felt confident. I felt acknowledged and sure in the knowledge that I have this beautiful and light-filled soul. And you know, when I look back on that, I know that that really could have gone in a very different direction. And I've also had experiences, so you know, where a little too much was shared and it did not make me feel good. It made me feel shame for what I had been carrying. You know, I do know the difference between a practitioner that's going to tell a healing story and a practitioner who doesn't. And while we all carry darkness from time to time and dark energetic attachments happen, I just want all of you guys to know that They are not the story of your life, and they are not the story that anyone should be telling you, nor the story that you should be telling yourself. The story that you need concern yourself with is that you are a survivor, is that you are a sacred being that is filled with light, and that you have everything you need right now in this moment to do what it takes to live the life that is your birthright, a good life with joy, with pleasure, with healing. And if anyone ever tells you differently, well, (laughs) you send them to me. Because you know what? 
maybe they need to hear some healing stories too. You guys, I hope that that is helpful to you. Walk in the light, make good choices, and take good care.